Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Simple. My name is Luis Sanchez. I'm the director of the Simple Church Collective and a host of the Keeping It Simple podcast. And I'm Scott Callantine, co-host of the podcast and resident of the Simple Church Collective. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Let's get started. Welcome back to Keeping It Simple, uh, where we talk about life, leadership, and we talk about uh, discipleship in the micro space. Today, we have uh, some great guests, uh, Deanna and Caleb from uh, Seattle. Uh, welcome, you guys. Hey. Hi. What, what, say what's up to the people. So this season, season three, we're focusing on connecting with everyday people on mission. And Caleb and Deanna have been in the Seattle area pursuing house church uh, way before it was cool. So um, we welcome you to welcome you to the show and um, would love to hear a little bit about who you are, what you guys have been up to. And um, yeah, some of the learnings that you guys have leaned into in the past. So go ahead. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you guys became believers and eventually like how you guys ended up in house church stuff. How we became believers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can start there. Um, I grew up around the church. Uh, but it wasn't like very central to my life. I was really figuring it out my freshman year of college, um, trying to decide if it was real or not. Um, but there was a guy who I, I ended up going to his Bible study because I felt really bad for him because he just he would show up to my to my room every week and invite me to his really lame Bible study. And I was like, why is it why is a senior trying to hang out with me? But over the year, he just like really got to know me, and I realized that he was he was doing it because of love and um he invited me on this like two-week service project and for the first time i saw like faith happening in the real world where we were um we were taking care of migrant workers kids during the day and learning about um scripture at night and doing it in this place of deep community where people were really vulnerable with each other and for whatever reason that was like the place that like god made sense to me for the first time i had a Holy Spirit drop-in moment where I just started like crying in the presence of God and like completely reorganized my life and values from like before that I was I wanted to do well in school and I wanted to get a girlfriend and I wanted to be successful and that was a kind of a order of priorities and it flipped it around where it was just like I want the kingdom of God I want to worship and follow Jesus and everything else comes second to that um, so that got me involved with University Christian Fellowship which uh that he he was leading an university bible study so i worked for them for 10 years <laughs> nice nice um i think my story is kind of similar to caleb's i went to church um i grew up in southern california in san diego um kind of went to church on and off growing up um but my parents were divorced um so kind of bounced to a couple different churches with each of them um, and I think in high school, I ended up going to a really large, um, youth group, which was great in many ways because it felt kind of exciting or like the cool thing to do. But I think in some ways that also maybe tapped into my insecurities. So coming from a divorced home, I was also an only child. I just kind of felt a little bit out of place in the Christian 
context um, and then kind of felt a little bit overlooked in high school within my youth group because, you know, it was kind of like the loud charismatic people that stood up on the stage and got attention. Um, and I just was kind of shy and quiet. Um, and so I think my idea coming out of high school about what it meant to follow Jesus was like, maybe I'll be one of the people that cuts the muffins for after church or hands out um, the brochures for people as they walk in. Um, not that the, those those are really great service things. And I've done that as an adult and felt really good about it. But I think yeah, it also, <laughs> yeah, I cook all the time. I do many uh, service things, but I think, I think it just shows that my idea of what it actually meant to be a disciple of Jesus was pretty small, um, leaving high school. And then I went to college, um, same college as Caleb, thankfully got involved with InterVarsity. Um, I think Caleb mentioned InterVarsity. It's just a parachurch ministry to college students, um, focusing a lot on dorm Bible studies. And so there was this staff worker that was working in our college that just really, um, I don't know, just, I, well, I think he felt compelled by Jesus to invest in me um, and just kind of called out things in me that I never really saw in myself. Um, just asking good questions of, um, you know, what are your thoughts on Jesus? How do you see Jesus moving in your life? And it basically all culminated in inviting me to lead a Bible study um, in my dorm, which I then did for a couple years. And I think it was that time, um, not that I was an amazing Bible study leader, but I think that I got to see students um, like freshmen new to the college kind of grappling with faith and looking at scripture and asking like, oh, if this is really true, what does it mean for my life? And I saw them kind of like just become transformed by Jesus. And it was really powerful to me. And I felt like it was this um, moment um, where I think Jesus was saying, um, like, I want to use you, Deanna, not because you're um, so gifted in all these different ways, but just I want to use you because you're saying yes. And there's just something beautiful about when we say yes to Jesus, like mm. he bites us into really good things. Um, so then when I we went to um, I when I decided to actually pursue missions for the first time, um, I went to this huge um, mission conference. It was called Urbana and it was people from all over the country coming to think about um, pursuing missions after graduation. And um, I was leading this tiny Bible study um, of, of uh, students that I didn't even know from different campuses. And over the course of three or four days, I just saw them totally transformed by Jesus um, in the, at this conference. And one night I was coming out of my dorm room and I saw this girl just running down the hallway with her, her arms open. And it was just this picture of joy. She was so quiet when I first met her. And then over the course of four days, just was just overwhelmed, I think, by like God's spirit and his love for her. And so when I saw her running down the hallway with all this joy, I felt like, and I think this was the first time that I actually really felt the Holy Spirit in 
in like a big way. <laughs> and um, I, I felt like God was saying, like, see the joy that you feel as you're watching this girl, like run down the hallway. That's an, that's only an inkling of the joy that I feel um, as people grow closer to me. And I want to bring you in into more oh, of that joy. Um, so then I, yeah, I was like, okay, Jesus, like I want to do ministry with you. And I just kind of feel like the call has never changed. So I just kept saying yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you guys both go to the same school or were you in different schools? Where'd you guys go? We went to Whitman College in Walla Walla and she was two years older and it took me two years to convince her to date me. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. But Whitman, um, it's a liberal arts college. It's really secular. There was only this tiny Christian group on campus. Mm. Um, so that's kind of where we, I don't know, the foundation of our like adult faith was laid. And then after graduating, we both interned with InterVarsity and then proceeded to do ministry at pretty secular colleges in the Northwest. Um, so we worked at Evergreen State College, which is like a hippie school, um, University of Puget Sound, UW. Um, Seattle U. Yeah, just have spent a lot of time um, interacting with like kind of predominantly secular community. <laughs> yeah. 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 That makes sense. I actually was a part of university too. I think I mentioned that to Caleb a while back, but it looked a little different because, you know, it it was uh, in a junior college. So we went home uh, to sleep, you know, <laughs> every day. Um, and then when I went to, the rest of my college, yeah, you know, I went to a Bible college. So, but it was it was a really good experience actually to be able to meet um, people when we did you know the bigger conferences from throughout the region, who were in context a little bit more like yours, uh, and see how in during that season that God called a lot of people and that a lot of people's lives were transformed and changed. And so you went from um, kind of nominally. It sounds like your stories are like you kind of went from nominally walking with the Lord to having like this uh, really like uh, transformative experience in college, being called deeper to uh, a mission and to working with college kids. You guys have walked with folks here in um, the secular context uh, of the greater Seattle area. And uh, now you're doing house church. Tell us a little bit about your journey on how you got to house church, uh, how long you've been doing it. Uh, so talk to us about that. So um, we kind of stumbled into house church a little bit. Um, we knew that we wanted to start something that was going to be relational because all the goods that we'd seen, like in people's lives, the fruit had like come from relationships, like from doing ministry for 10 years. Cause like during that 10 years, like I, um, I'd preach at churches. I was really involved in our church, but it basically at the end of the day, it came down to, it was just a show where it was like, I really loved all the people. They're, they're, they're great people, but like you did your show and then you went home. Whereas what we were, what we were doing on campus was like way more relational people staying up late, hanging out um, way more invested where we were training students to lead their own stuff instead of just sitting around listening to us talk about what the Bible says. Um, and so we knew we wanted we wanted something that had like leadership development, relational, a relational piece. Yeah, it was like um, I think now I think it's a little bit unique to the college 
context, but we were able to live life with people um, in a way that we didn't really experience in the church that we were going yeah. to. And the church was great. Um, but I think we were seeing a lot of transformation happening in the lives of our students in part because it was this like um, really incarnational discipleship, like living life together, modeling with one another. Yeah, there's a big push on like being incarnational, which would mean like if you're a senior, go move into the freshman dorm so that you can be with the people all, like all the time, which is a huge sacrifice when you've got your friends. Sure. Um, and yeah. So, yeah, I think that led us to the question of, um, well, what what's happening um, in our college ministry is really good. Um, and can we tinker with that a little bit and create like, like a church structure? Which the answer is yes and no. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, but yeah, like we started out by just focused in on Acts 2 because it's this really beautiful picture of, of the church before it had all this, you know, structure and routine where, you know, the Holy Spirit drops in and people are eating together every day in their homes and stuff. Right. And so for the first, I want to say six weeks, we just studied Acts 2 over and over and mm. kept asking the question, like, what would we do? Like, if we scrapped everything that we think that a church has to be and we go back to the basics and we go back to just this initial energy that God inspired in people, because so mm. many people that we know are, are just done sitting and watching someone talk on a stage, like, yeah, what, you know, what would it, what would it look like to get together and and ask God, like, what is God doing in my life? And um, so House Church kind of, like, became the answer to that question over about a year, I would say. In the beginning, we weren't sure that that's where we were headed, but by now, we, we are pretty sure. <laughs> Six years later, it's like, it's... it's and that was what my next question was going to be, like, how long have you guys been doing this? And then, like, so so it sounds like you got trained up, relational stuff um incarnational ministry stuff it led you to say hey there's got to be more more than just someone you know speaking to us from a stage and uh telling us to cut muffins right and and then and then you guys finally got here so six years ago you guys launched this thing and what what did that look like at launch <laughs> well at that point it was just it, we didn't have worship we didn't have communion those were things you have, one of the questions you're going to ask is uh how did we how did we tack over time because we were living in Tacoma um bef before moving to Seattle and i think when we started when this this like little seed of an idea of starting a house church popped into our heads or started blooming i think we were like, oh, well, Seattle, for whatever reason, just seemed like the place that we wanted to be. Um, long term. Yes. And so we moved to Seattle, but not with like a core team of people. We, we moved um, with two friends and lived in a house together with all we didn't, uh, I think there were three children at the time. Later, it grew to five because we both uh, had another child. Um, so moved with this family and then kind of just was, we were just doing like an organic kind of Bible study once a week, right? While yeah. still praying. Yeah, at this point, we're still working for university. It was kind of a side project. 
um, so it started, it kind of started out as like a Bible study and then slowly became a church. And I don't know if there was a, a moment in time where that transition happened. It was like kind true, of over. there's no true launch. There was never a launch. There's no launch. We're not launching. We're not launching here. We're, we're, uh, we're you just rolled into it. So tell me, so it's been six years now and, and you guys can maybe launch is still coming. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We actually don't have a launch date either, so I can relate to that for sure. Like, because our thing was like, hey, we were going to launch in the fall of 2020, but in the fall of 2020, everything was shut down. And so we went to online and it was in, you know, the transition of 2020 to 2021 that we discerned a different way forward. And so we were like, oh, okay. And, um, you know, um, so we get, I get that. So I usually say somewhere around February of 2021 is when, the Simple Church Collective was born. We don't know exactly when that happened, but that's when we made the announcement. So that's what we call That's what we, hey, Church for the Nations is not a thing anymore. Uh, we're going to go for this other thing, and uh, we're going to try to figure it out along the way. But six years, I mean, that's, there's been some faithfulness there, you know, six years. So tell me about the highlights of the six years. Maybe you guys can each share one or, or, or two. It's hard. It's hard to zero in on singular moments, but we have a version of following Jesus that's just clearly worth it because of the love that we have for the people in our lives and the reality of what, like, what we're doing together feels real and not like a show. Um, it like, here's like an example is like after the George Floyd stuff. Um, that that Sunday, we just had a conversation about our own racial prejudices, and I made mistakes that I had to apologize for and cry about. And like, like we got to, we got to, it like church went live. It didn't feel like we were reading about church or something that happened two thousand years ago. It felt like we are the church right now. Um, and then another another big like illuminating highlight was I got. I got offered a job at a larger church and I had to decide whether I was going to go to that or stay with this, you know, small little, little gathering of people in my home. And when I was talking to Jesus about it, because I've, I've been perpetually disappointed by how hard it's been to multiply. Um, and here was this opportunity to go to something that was already big. And, um, I was talking to Jesus and I felt like Jesus said, like, have you had too few people to love over the past five years? Mm -hmm. um, and I was just like, no way. <laughs> like I've had way too many people to love. And um, just that, I think, I think the best part of it has been that I've gotten space to deconstruct unhealthy ideas of what success looks like in order to be in the free space of God's love. Um, mm -hmm. And I've had a good community to process that with. And I've had, you know, if I, if I'd been in a big successful church, I think that my problems would have continued mm. in ways that because this has been slow going and hard, I've had space for counseling. I've had space to um, see my prayer life really deepen and getting to live out the, the die to live principle has been the highlight for me um, because there really is joy in seeing 
God's love for you and letting that be enough. Mm. Um, there's real joy in, like I've spoken from big stages and I love it. I get an adrenaline high. Um, but the real love of just showing up with my community and being known and I can't impress them because I don't have a stage. Um, <laughs> it's been good. Yeah. And it's been probably what I needed to spiritually survive. Oh, that's good. That's that's good. That's good. Somebody somebody once said an old saint, an old saint. They said sometimes the the Lord brings a, a pastor to a church uh, because the church needs the pastor, and sometimes the Lord brings a pastor to the church because the pastor needs the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, I gotta tuck that away. You know, and I got to chew on that, you know, and, and sometimes that looks like serving in, in the prevailing model. And sometimes that looks like serving faithfully in the shadows, you know, in this hard work that we do, you know, where, where, and many times it's in obscurity, you know, and nobody really sees. And sometimes, uh, the highlight comes right along with the challenges, right? So, so Deanna, if you have anything to share about your highlights, um feel free like um i think it's some of it's kind of similar to caleb i think i just over the last six years it's been a delight to love the people in my community and i think because we're smaller and there is more of a living life together i just feel like i really know people um and what's funny is sometimes people can come and you're like, wow, I just have nothing in common with this person at all. Like what, like, how are we going to like coexist or be in a relationship with one another? But I think I'm just always surprised by, um, like, as I spend time with people, I just really, it's just really easy to see, uh, like God in them, like the Imago day. Um, and people are just really lovable. Um, and so it's been a delight to like, get to live life with people. And I, I, and I do think that we've walked people through, um, some hard stuff and who knows that if, you know, if they weren't in relationship with us, um, who knows that their faith would have survived or, and that's not like, not to sound arrogant. It's just like, wow, I'm really, I'm really thankful that I get to play a big role in the faith life of people. Um, and vice, like what Kayla was saying too, like that the community also really ministers to me. Like, um, I'm a 40 year old woman and, and sometimes there can be a 25 year old in our church, um, that will say something to me that is just, it's from the spirit. And, it, it, yeah, it's just really beautiful and it's, it helps my faith. Um, so I love that. Yeah. And then another thing is like in a season of life, when people are super lonely, like there's mm-hmm. people coming together, having the joy of the Lord, like really getting to know each other, feeling seen, feeling love, experiencing a version of church that's not, um, far away but is like right there in their life where they where they need it like 
It's beautiful. Especially when there aren't many places to be vulnerable, I think today, you know, just with the whole emphasis of like social media is the way that we connect with people and people in Seattle just work so hard and work such long hours. Um, it's just really nice to be able to have a space where we can call people into vulnerability. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good. So good. So talked about some of those highs. How about some of the challenges that you guys have experienced with, um, you kind of mentioned being frustrated with, um, how slow it goes to multiplication. Um, but yeah, like share some of those challenges with us and, and with other listeners. And I'm sure that people that have been uh, listening to us for a while are familiar with this question because house church, simple church, micro church, missional community is not absent of those challenges uh, just because we do it just a little bit smaller than everybody else. So share that. I it kind of, yeah, I think the, the hardest thing for me has been that cheap bite. <laughs> oh, that's hard. Or, um, that's that. People, no, no, that's, it's been a couple of years since there's been. Yes. But I'm just like a sensitive person. It's kind of what along the lines of what Caleb was saying, where, um, the call, his calling and ministry has really worked out some of his like root sense or, um, I think it's the same with me where I'm sensitive. I care a lot about what people think. Um, it's just really easy for me to put my worth in quote unquote success or growth or yeah, the praise of people. And so, and because the church is so small, it's like, you know, 30 to 40 people. When someone leaves, I'm aware of it. <laughs> and it's really easy for me to, um, take on, like to feel the guilt or the responsibility, like, oh, if I had just said something different or tried harder, um, maybe they would have stayed. And that's, and that's actually, so that's been the challenge. I think the Jesus is always redeeming. <laughs> and so it's been really good to have to trust Jesus. Um, and hear his words of like, you're my beloved with whom I'm well pleased. Um, trust that I'm not going to be perfect, but I am going to say yes to following Jesus. Um, and so, yeah, so, so sometimes I get hurt <laughs> or, or yeah, yeah. But, um, but there's really good things for me in that. And I think Jesus is, does a really good job at loving me well, even in the midst of like yeah. feeling sad about people because yeah. people leave their faith in Seattle, you All know, um, some, because we're, because we're a house church also, I think we do get a lot of people that are deconstructing their faith. Like some, some of our folks I think are, um, come in because they, they're feeling dissatisfied maybe we're the last door out, right? So last train stuff on the way out of Christian tech. <laughs> um yeah, so I mean in some ways it's really exciting because we see people just really embrace their faith and get ignited in a new beautiful way. But then also there's people that are just like, no, this isn't for me. I'm out. Um and that's always painful. And they're out out too. I had um 
a conversation with you, Caleb, a while back, and something that you said, I've been saying it to everybody, especially in the micro context. And you kind of just mentioned it just now, but that house church, micro church, this kind of thing, it's either their first step in or their last step out, you know, and I don't know where you got that from. If you made that up yourself, you're a genius, man. Uh, and so you're a genius, man. And so, and, and, and so leaning into people who have been doing this for a little while longer, I think that that's some wisdom right there. So if you go into this and I'm talking to our listeners, right? If you go into this thinking, Hey, it's, uh, it's going to be way easier. You know, it's like, people are going to be way nicer. You know, like people are people and people are wrestling with their faith. People are where they are on their spiritual spectrum, you know? Um, and to be honest, any sort of church planting kind of deal or any sort of thing like, uh, that is a third way to t- use kind of coded Christian language, you know, like that is not the regular Sunday morning kind of thing, more vanilla kind of thing. Um, uh, people are enticed by that. And so we get a lot of the times, uh, people that are a little quirky, you know, we also get that. Uh, we get a lot of times people that are a little bit socially awkward, right? Would you guys agree with that sometimes? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of the best parts. You know, and and which probably means that we are probably a little quirky and socially awkward ourselves, you know, because that's kind of drawing some of those folks. But we, we draw them on the furthest end, you know, of 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 the margins. But, man, it's this thing could be painful. Without finding some lonely people. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And people who are searching without being a searcher yourself and all of these other things. And so like some of that is amplified, right? Like the kind of people that we are and want to be and want to connect with, like, and then sometimes we're not necessarily ready for like, whoa, did you bring this person? Like, God, this isn't the kind of, this isn't the target, right? Like they're not within the people that I imagine. And so some of the challenges is just like, Hey, living with your, you know, arms wide open and and with your palms up saying, God, you know, you, you got this and it's on you, man. You guys are doing ministry. Go ahead. I want, I want to go back to something you said about how like the lows are also highs. Cause I think that's pretty juicy enough. And I, yeah. I want to yeah, say yeah. Something about it. Um, yeah. Cause God works situation, all situations towards good for those who love him. Right. And so, um, something I realized about a year ago is that if I have an ego need for growth, in a city like Seattle, then I'm going to try to fit people into my timeline for multiplication or whatever. Um, and I'm just going to get disappointed. Like this is a, this city's a graveyard for church plants. There's our, our denomination, like 11 church plants, um, that all failed right before us. And they're like, you're not, you're the 12th, go for it. So I think, I don't know, deconstructing that, has has been the has been some of the most beautiful fruit in my life and i think there's a lot of energy right now around church planting uh i mean uh, house church planting and micro church expressions and um that kind of thing because people are hoping that it's gonna like gonna be the next thing um yeah like the, ne- the silver bullet it's like the news well now we do have a silver bullet and it's these small house churches but the things that make small church necessary are also like cultural problems that that are still realities that house churches have to address, right? So like uh, big box church where you can just like sit down and consume has created a consumeristic like uh, 
group of people that don't really want to live their faith, right? That's that's the big like thing that the missional movement was like pointing out, like, hey, this is like kind of screwed up. This isn't going to work long term. Um, but that's a cultural reality. Like that's like people are living on their cell phones. People are not showing up. Like it's harder to show up to a house church to a place where you don't know anyone than it is to walk into a big box church where you can just sit down and have someone talk to you and there's no social pressures. There's none of that. Right. And so as people are becoming more lonely, more socially isolated, yes, we need house churches. Yes, it's critical, but people are less and less capable to be able to do it. And so what we actually get is we get a lot of people who are going to tweet about how, you know, I like my church isn't relational. It's meaningless. Um, Or they're going to, they're going to love the idea from afar of a house church. But when it shows, when it comes to actually showing up to do it, it's going to be like, ah, I think I'll just watch Netflix tonight. Like, and that, so there's going to be more success on blogs about house churches than there are people actually showing up to them. And it's just, it's just the sad truth. Um, so. And I wonder, and I wonder, and not that we know the answer to this, um, Caleb, like, out of the house churches and house church movements that started right around COVID and right after, like how many of them are still around, you know, like that's some of the, that's some of the questions that I have. And I don't know that there's, an I know answer. we started uh, quite a few that have been later collapsed because it takes a lot of, a lot. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes dedication. And then like every, every house church has its seasons too. Right. Like, and that's, so it's like, sometimes those of us who came over from the prevailing model want to just contextualize the prevailing model to house church. And it doesn't go from apples to apples. Right. Like it can, you can't just like make the macro micro and then make, and then that it's going to work. Like in my case, I, yeah, at least that yeah. hasn't been, that hasn't been the case. You really got to be in it with the people and you really got to be in the trenches with the folks and love people and love the people right in front of you. And so, uh, and sometimes people in ministry, sadly, you know, um, you can, um, delegate that out to the volunteers, right? Like, Hey, go lead the women's ministry or go lead the women, the men's ministry or go lead, um, the food pantry, you know, and then you get to see the people that are broken and you get to see, you know, you know, and even I know some pastors that, that won't do counseling cause it's, you know, they outsource to counseling or, you know, and I get it, you know, not, it's not everybody's forte, but when you're in this context, you kind of got to do a little bit of all the things, right? You kind of got to be a, a jack of all trades and sure. Some of us don't have the training of a professional Christian counselor. And so we outsource some of that stuff. But sometimes it's about sitting with people and just connecting with them and loving them well. Yeah, I think that's why perseverance is such a key to this working is to not come in and expecting to like become a celebrity for starting house churches, but to to come into this knowing like I am here to die to live. Because if you if you want to follow Jesus to die to live, like no matter what happens, you're going to get you're going to get what you were looking for there. You know what I mean? So you guys have done ministry in Seattle now and tell me about just ministry in Seattle proper. How, what, what do you think makes a ministry in Seattle unique? And then over the years, how has your approach changed to, you know, minister effectively in this context? One thought, which is not completely related to Seattle, but I think coming from a college context, One of the reasons why we're excited about doing church 
house church um, was that we would get to live with live lives with people longer than just four years, right? We were really excited about that. Um, but the reality is that Seattle is actually really transient because it's so expensive to live here. It's hard to buy a house. And so lots of, and it's tech. So people just go from tech job to tech job, different cities. Um, or if people have kids, they move away to somewhere more affordable. And so that's been kind of hard, um, in reality, we probably have like two to three years with people if we're lucky, right? Oh, yeah, year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also people just have jobs. People are super busy. Um, I even think that that's one of the things, like one of the hallmarks of a Seattle person, right? They're like the weekend warriors, um, which I hate that term, but that's the term that I've heard so many people use <laughs> where they work really hard during the week and then they go out into the mountains or do their outside adventure or whatever. And so it's hard, um, yeah, to kind of call people to make more space in their lives for Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It's the transient, the transience, isolation. Um, also the tech, um, I mean, we also love how thoughtful people are and like justice has always been something that we really care about. And I'm glad that this is a city that cares about that too. I, I think mm -hmm. it'd be really like, I'm a, I'm an Enneagram eight. And so I, I always disagree with whoever I'm around, but if I, I think if I were like somewhere in the South Bible belt kind of place and um, just seeing people's like racial attitudes and um, stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I, there's a lot that I love about the city and, I love that it draws outdoorsy people and thoughtful people and um, liberal people. Um, yeah. But I could, you know, there has been a bit of a of a like swing towards engineers, <laughs> uh, yes. which pushed out some of the creatives, um, which has been a bit of a bummer. But um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, as far as like how have we changed our structures to to meet the needs here, I think we saw that people really like life stories. So that was that was something that's become like central to what we do. Where every six weeks or so, we have somebody share their life story and we pray for them. Which because like our our church is always rolling over and there's always new people uh, changing because the transients. There's always life stories to be told. Um, which I, I don't know if you, you could keep having that happening if we, if we were somewhere rural, you know? Um, so I think that's an, an attribute. Mm -hmm. um, what else? We've, um, every other week, we have a time where the guys can get together, the ladies can get together to just talk about what's going on in their lives. Um, it's kind of like, sort of functions as a group counseling. Yeah. <laughs> in the best, in the best sense. Um, and I think we've decided we, we kind of started implementing that too, because it's like, wow, people, yeah. Like I was saying earlier, people don't have a ton of space to be vulnerable, but they actually, like when they do get the space, they find it very helpful, like myself included. And so, um, yeah, every other week we get together and talk about like what's going on in our lives and, um, get to pray for each other. 
And I think that's an attribute of transients too, that with it, there's constantly, like every time we do man group, there's, there's new problems to be worked through. And that mm -hmm. part of that is because there's new people all the time. So it's like, there's, there's always something juicy to talk about. <laughs> but then it's also awesome because, um, you know, if someone's sharing another person in our community gets to like love them um, and say yes to Jesus in the in the that way of like ministering to them, encouraging them, praying for them, and that's been really beautiful too. Um, just to see people in our community care for one another. Um, sometimes even like you know someone in our um, church just lost their job and someone paid for their rent for the coming month. Like just some of that stuff has been really beautiful to see. So. You guys have been doing this for quite some time. There's been some highs. There's been some lows. Um, and you guys aren't the only folks doing this, right? There's in, in, in Seattle, there's other folks. And then beyond Seattle, there's other people doing this. Who are some of the people that maybe you guys are looking to or have looked to in the past uh, for inspiration? Um, what does that look like? Or, you know, yeah. Nampa Underground. Next question. <laughs> yes. Actually, actually, I was thinking about that because – I think there's something to that actually, because Brian was uh, an university guy. Too. Yeah, yeah, we were right. part of the same chapter planning cohort thing. Yeah, when we were starting to start new uh, fellowships on college campuses, he was leading our cohort training. So, yeah, and and we love Brian, and then obviously we love the KC folks too. We we're more connected to the KC folks. Um, the Kansas City Underground folks, but yeah, that that is true. Like, I wonder what the they also had this deal where they there has to be more, you know, uh, incarnational ministry. God has got to be up to something, and then the church at large, most of the church at large is already doing church like this. Uh, just the American church is a little bit behind the ball. Let me let me um let me ask you this question as we start to kind of land the plane here for people who are thinking about joining something uh like what it is that you're doing a house church um what would you say to someone like that like hey you know what what would what does it look like to come in uh and then what would you say to someone uh, that is looking to to you know figure out their faith within something like a house church model can I hit this? I'm excited. Yeah. First thing, it's completely worth it because you, your life will be shaped by love and you will get to know Jesus um, in a very special and intimate way. And so when I, when I say this is hard, that is the good part. <laughs> like I, like sometimes a lot of times I'll, I'll talk about this with people and they'll be like, Oh, you're telling me not to do it. No, like come in. The water's fine because it is worth it to die to live. It is worth it to love people and it is worth it to get to know Jesus through it. Um, I'd say get a, a second job because you're not going to get paid enough. Um, find some side hustle. Mine's real estate. You got to find something like that. If you want to do this long-term, you can't trust uh, the, the three years of funding that um, some church planning organization is going to give you to, to be enough for this. If you're going to do it long-term. What else? Um, oh, Invest in your prayer life, number one, because I thought that this was going to be so fun. It was going to be just imminently worth it. And uh, we were going to just be, I thought we were going to become like the Tampa Underground. And it, and it was going to be so rad and, and so fun doing this with a bunch of friends. 
Um, but the reality is a lot of it's hard and a lot of it's death to self. And um, that those seeds become spiritual fruit only in prayer. Um, and so if you're not, if you don't have a daily rhythm, like I, I have, I have three times a day of uh, going back to Jesus in prayer to have him take whatever I've experienced that day and reframe it um, to see the hope and love in it. But yeah, so that, I, I think that, yeah, uh, side hustle, prayer life, um, and be in it to die to live. I think those would be my main things. about you Deanna what you got um is this just for people that are interested in leading a house church or people that are thinking about coming to a house church oh I think Caleb hit it the leading you can um hit the coming how about that yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um it might be a little bit intimidating at first uh, which I didn't think about I was like oh of course people are gonna love this because they get to be in a home and they get to no, talk that's our to home. <laughs> it's not comfortable but, for them it's comfortable for us. totally an extrovert so I can see it being intimidating to come into a smaller group if you you know when you go to a larger church you can be a little bit anonymous but there's no anonymity when you come to our community um but on the flip side um you get to know people really well and you actually get to live your life with you get to live your faith you get to live out christianity um in community which there's so many blessings to that and that was always the intention right um for the church to live out faith and community. So yeah. Also, um, I think, yeah, it requires some vulnerability. Like maybe you are, you do get called to share about what's going on in your life, but it's always rewarding because, um, well, we're a group of people that are trying to live Jesus. And so at least the community that we have fostered or cultivated, I just feel like people can share really intense things that maybe would ostracize them in another church community. But here, uh, yeah, like people love Jesus and are trying to like love other people and be gracious. And so. Yeah. If you come here twice, people are going to know your name the second time. Where else can you go to church like that? You know? Yeah. So just tell us where, where you guys are at. You know, I'm not asking for your address. If someone wants to check out the work that you guys are doing, how can folks connect with what you guys are doing and how can they get involved uh, with the church that you guys lead? We're at openhomechurch.org. Yep. And you guys are in, in Seattle? Yeah, we're in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Northeast Seattle. Um, Northeast Seattle. And so you guys, if, if you guys are in the area, uh, relationally connected to other church, little house churches around too. So if you're in a different neighborhood, there's yeah. either oh, one over God. there or we want to, we want to start one over near you soon. So yeah. 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 Seattle, talk to us. Yep. Yeah. Deanna, were you going to say something? Oh, um, people come from different neighborhoods in Seattle. Oh, so totally. like Capitol Hill, West Seattle. People come from Renton. Someone comes from Enum, two, a couple comes from Enumclaw. That's a little <laughs> bit weird, but that's because we have a pre-existing relationship. Yeah, because we're tight. <laughs> yeah. I love it. 
So if you guys want to hang out with some cool folks in Seattle, check out the work that Caleb and Deanna are doing. Uh, visit uh, the website. It's going to be here on the description. You guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you guys have any parting words for our people? I think there, uh, Jesus wants to use us, loves to use us, and there's a lot of joy that comes with saying yes to Jesus. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love what God's doing with my heart. I'm excited <laughs> about it. I'm really excited, man. Yeah, I just, I just hope um, that God will do the same thing with your heart. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you guys for joining us here on Keeping It Simple, where we talk about life, uh, leadership, and um, house, church, micro church, uh, missional community type stuff. Thank you, guys. Peace. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you'd like to support us more, check out our podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash keeping it simple podcast. If not, we'd love your support through subscribing, sharing episodes, and liking and reviewing the podcast. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more episodes to come.